actually read all about it. This bi-weekly episode of Insect View Bug News is out now. Yeah, and you're here. First, first off, with the first off, our correspondent Mia Santori with a bug forecast. Yep. So, uh, thanks. <laughs> Just imagine I'm standing in front of a green screen um, right now. But and imagine I'm a little paper boy with. Like collecting pennies yeah. in my, my little patty cap. Yeah, like you just got like like um like teleported to a yeah. modern day newscasting outlet, and what's happening? Extremely lost. <laughs> so, anyways, um, so obviously the seasons are changing. Um, well, we where we are here in Ohio, uh, obviously, I don't know if we have any uh, listeners from the uh, the southern hemisphere, but you know the the weather you know be different. Uh, obviously, <laughs> depending on where you're on the yeah. world, but uh, where we are, at least. Um, yeah, you can only get you can only get hard hitting observations like that right here. Yeah, <laughs> the weather is different in different places in the world. <laughs> so yeah, so fall is here. So uh, you know things are getting colder. We're seeing a lot less bugs, but they're still out. They're not all gone yet. Uh, so you know a classic fall bug is the woolly bear. Uh, so it's you know it's it's woolly bear season right now. So you know keep your eyes peeled for those uh, charming little caterpillars crawling around. Um, there's actually, there's a festival for them recently in, uh, Vermilion, Ohio, I think. There's a woolly bear festival. Um. There's one in one of the, I think North Carolina has one as well. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a popular, it's a very popular bug. They're very cute. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes sense why there's so many, uh, celebrations for them. And, uh, you know, it's getting colder, so you might, uh, when you're walking around, you might see some bugs, uh, on sidewalks or the walls of buildings and stuff. And that's usually because they're trying to warm up, because obviously concrete, you know, holds heat better. Um, and, you know, if you see them in the sides of buildings, you know, our buildings are heated. So um, that's clearly, you know, that's something that they're going for. You also might see some cedar beetles out. So these are these very large beetles that you'll see just out and about. Uh, the females are larger and you'll find them sitting like around trees and stuff. Uh, the males are the ones that will be flying around. Um, it's a little easier to find the females. Uh, and you can tell because the male have, the males have these really big fanned out antenna. So that's a, that's a good fall bug to look out for. They're pretty impressively large. So, you know, if you have a collection, mm-hmm. that might look nice in it. If you're an entomology student who procrastinated a, uh, a fall class yeah. entomology collection, and you're against the gun when the bugs are going away, this is one you can look for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is that time of year. <laughs> and also, uh, so this is also a good time of year to look for some Hymenoptera, because um, towards the end of the uh, end of the year, the, the males will start to, uh, you know, like, leave the nest and stuff, Um because that's their whole goal, basically, is the, they mate when the females leave to hibernate and start new colonies. So you might see some of those out. Paper wasps and bumblebees are kind of easy to tell apart the males because the male paper wasp has full yellow face and its antenna are curly. So that's an easy way to pick it apart. Yeah. And the male bumblebees usually have, at least the bombs and patients, which are out now, the male bumblebees have an all yellow, a hairy yellow face. So yeah. So that's kind of our forecast for, uh, for the upcoming weeks. So, uh, yes, another good little bit of um, of recent news is the uh, the ignoble uh, prizes. So, um, you may have heard of this before. Basically, it's like a, a a funny version of the Nobel prizes. So, it's uh it's sort of a joke. It's sometimes they use it as like satire, but usually it's it's sort of meant to highlight research that is like uh it's 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 wacky or as they say, it makes people laugh and then think. So it's stuff that, um, it seems weird and, like, super out there, but it has actual, you know, like, interesting or unexpected results. Yeah, and, and, like, the people who hand out the actual Ig Nobel Prizes are all are almost always actual real Nobel laureates, and the whole ceremony is held at Harvard, and the recipients do a lecture at MIT, and then one of the recipients who got it in 2000 actually later got the very real Nobel Prize in physics, and they, I think they mentioned that the some of the research they got the Nobel, they got the Ig Nobel Prize for, 
helped kind of inspire them to do the research that got the actual Nobel. Yeah. So like it is a joke prize, but there's a there's a real yeah. aspect to it. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of tongue in cheek, but it's not um mm-hmm. you know, it's not like mean spirited. Uh, so, so yeah. yeah, so there's a lot of good stuff uh, this year. So there's a uh, the literature prize. Uh, there's a research on analyzing what makes legal documents like so unnecessarily difficult to understand. A uh, study on developing an algorithm to help uh, gossipers decide when to tell the truth and when to lie. That was a, the Peace Prize, uh, and the Safety Engineering Prize uh, went to developing a moose crash test dummy. Plenty of other stuff that you can check out. Um, so, the, but there was actually sort of an entomology-related winner. So for the so the uh, so, so the biology prize went to Solomari Solomari Garcia Hernandez and Glauco Machado for for studying whether and how constipation affects the mating prospects of scorpions. <laughs> so basically, uh, the way this kind of works is that so some animals practice this defense this, this form of defense called autotomy, um, and so it's basically when they will detach a body part to escape predation. So you think like lizards. Uh, yeah, you know, salamanders and, and bugs will you know lose legs and stuff. But autotomy was actually only recently kind of observed in scorpions as of like 2015, 2014, uh, and they dropped their tail. The tail is not just it's not like a lizard where the tail is just sort of it's it's an appendage. Uh, it's it's an important part of their abdominals. Like it's their their biology it has um, their abdominal segments are in the tail. Uh, it loses, and actually, what it loses is its anus uh, when it when it drops the tail because of the scar tissue. This is obviously. This is obviously not an ideal yeah, situation yeah, for scorpion. Yeah. Um, so obviously the tail reduces their ability to hunt and stuff like that. These researchers did some a few studies related to this, the autotomy, the losing the tail. So for one, they looked at if losing the tail sped them up or slowed them down or if it affected that all. To, to try this, they had a scorpion race. Uh, so they had um, a meter-long race uh, on sand, and they were put in a vial, and then they were porked and they they poked them in the dorsum, which is like their ass, basically. Then yeah. they ran off to like a little hide that was at the end. Um, and so they uh, they they did um, these various trials. So for the tail of scorpions, they would glue the tail back in the body uh, for different like you know to see to rate their their speed with and without. And they would they also glue dried spaghetti on that would weigh about as much <laughs> as the tail. Uh, it's not like. Um, not that ridiculous, because scorpions do carry like weight in their back. You know, they're young and stuff. But um, they found it had little effect on movement. But it actually did have a negative effect on their reproductive success, but only in females. And so it was kind of an interesting uh, case of how this extreme sort of um, autotomy, like that, is going to result in the death of the animal. Because obviously, you cannot survive without an anus. Um, <laughs> uh, it's kind of shows how. Lord it, knows they try though. <laughs> yeah, it shows how the, it affects their fitness. Um, which is pretty mm-hmm. interesting. Another interesting story that's popped up in the news that, that you might have seen headlines regarding waxworms eating plastic. And this isn't the first time this is this has made the news. Back in 2017 is when a paper was produced where they some researchers found evidence that the waxworms were actually breaking down plastic. The 2017 study basically was an observational one where they were able to prove that it wasn't just the worms chewing it up. There was some sort of reaction in their saliva that was in fact breaking down the bags, and like they did this by using a worm. It's described in the paper as a worm homogeneate, which I imagine is a bunch of wax worms you chucked in a blender. Uh, 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 they put they pull out a polyethylene film, and polyethylene plastic is the what plastic the wax worms are found to break down, and that's a super common plastic that's used in plastic bags. So that's why it's kind of interesting. This could possibly be used to control that sort of uh, plastic pollution. And the, the reason it's back in the news is because there was a recent paper that confirmed that it was being done by an enzymatic reaction. And the, these two enzymes that are produced by the waxworms, and they are actually biodegrading polyethylene or, or PE. This is kind of so important 
because when you're actually any other method for biodegrading PE, they've used like biological methods before, but it always requires a pre-treatment of the bag or an extreme condition like super hot or super acidic or like mm-hmm. very nitrogenous. But this reaction it's not like practical. Yeah, but this reaction is not only faster than any other reaction we used before. It's also it can also take place at room temperature, so it's really really accessible. And then, then it's really kind of more efficient than other stuff we have. It kind of gets past this big bottleneck. Before you say like plastic pollution is cured, it, it's it's nowhere near a silver bullet. Like synthesizing the enzyme is a big trouble, and you get into problems if you want to have a warehouse full of wax worms, like massive carbon emissions, controlling the heat, feeding the worms. Okay, it's it's um it's an interesting new uh like possibility you know mm. it's a new discovery but it's definitely um you know it's not like we did it you know yeah. <laughs> we just get the worms to eat all yeah. the plastic because uh, obviously you just think about the sheer amount of mm. plastic that exists uh, i mean it would just be completely unsustainable to have wax worms be eating all of them but it's like you know i feel like when um when stuff like this comes out it's more of like it's an interesting new prospect. Yeah, you know, it's a new it's a new thing that people can can work with. Yeah. And for chemi- and, and for chemists, it highlights some kind of novel reactions or a different way you can maybe synthesize a chemical to attack the problem. Because yeah. and the the reason people think that the wax worms can do this is because they spend their life in honeybee colonies where they have to eat wax. And the the, the core carbon bo- the core the core bond of wax is a CH two CH two bond, and that it's all that is also the core bond. Of PE, so it kind of it's cross yeah. cross compatible, and I think when it breaks, when it breaks down PE, I couldn't really find to what extent it biodegrades it. It doesn't just take, turn into carbon and it floats off in the atmosphere. It gets broken into smaller particles, which I think results in the sort of microplastic contamination yeah. you see if the bag was just left out for a thousand years. But like because it's so much faster, you can control the reaction and then control the waste, which is one of the big aspects of it. So you you're not getting rid of the byproduct. But you could you can make sure it doesn't just go into the ocean. Yeah, it's a, it's at least um, new uh, avenue. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, I feel like the real solution is just that we have to stop manufacturing so much, um, you know, unnecessary, yeah, like unbiodegradable plastic waste and stuff. And, but the thing is, there always is going to be a need for plastic. So it's, um, you know, like people will always need plastic. There's mm-hmm. obviously in, like medical settings, people are always going to need plastic. There's plenty of, like, like any kind of, like, single-use, you know, if you've ever been in, like, a lab and you have to streak a plate. Yeah. You know, like, single-use plastics, is, it's not something that I don't think we're ever going to be able to actually fully eliminate, um, just because there's too many instances and stuff where you, where you really need it. But, mm. um, but yeah, I think that it's just sort of, uh, you know, when you look at stuff like this and the amount of effort it takes to control um, plastic waste it just kind of makes you think about how you know how unnecessary a lot of the plastic that we use in day to day life is. I think. Yeah, it comes it comes back around to like an ounce of prevention with a pound of a pound of the cure, kind of. Yeah, well, literally, I mean, an yeah. ounce of plastic <laughs> takes like a pound of wax worms. Yeah. <laughs> to, to eat through it. So. All right. Well, thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of our uh, bug news. Um, we hope you enjoyed it, and hope you'll keep tuning into them. Hope you like this segment. Um, you know, feel free to send us some feedback. Uh, on on Twitter, uh, if you like it, if there's anything you want to see in it, um, send it our way and we might talk about it. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you follow us on Instagram or Twitter um, or on TikTok. We have a TikTok. And we're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So, uh, tune in two weeks' time for the next, for the next episode.